0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Hello, good morning. If I'd like to invite you all to take your seats. If you'd like to move nearer to the front, that would be lovely. There's a few vacant seats here. It would make me feel at home if I saw some friendly faces out there. That would be great. Thank you very much. Ah, Thank you, David and Joel. That's made my morning. Thank you. So, Esther, first slide. Esther, I am a child of God. Why Esther, you might be thinking. Well, on honeymoon, 31 years ago, in Bath, we went to a theatre production, Neil's laughing at this because he knows what's to come, called Swan Esther and the King. I really do not remember much about it, this theatre production. All I remember was that every time Esther and her king walked about the stage, they would strike a pose with hands held high and glide about the stage as if they were swans. Now, Neil and I decided this is a good idea for us to do this for the remainder of our honeymoon. And I'll let you into a secret. We still sometimes do it. When walking down the street, we say, let's do our Swan Esther walk. Now, I love the book of Esther. There are two books in the Bible named after women. Esther is one, Ruth is the other. And there are only two books in the Bible that do not mention the name of God at all. Esther is one, Song of Solomon is the other. And I wanted a challenge because I wanted to show you and many biblical scholars who don't believe or do didn't believe that Esther should be in the Bible. Over many years, there was great discussion about why is the book of Esther in the Bible when God is not mentioned once? And I love a challenge. And I'm going to challenge you this morning as I give you an overview of the book of Esther to see God working through all the circumstances of Esther's life. I've chosen it because it speaks of hidden hope, It's a message of God's love and grace to us today and a calling to stand up and be children of God. It's a message for us here in Freedom Church today to see God working in everything we do, even when it's not obvious. Here's our brief overview. I'm going to bring up a map now of the time of Esther As you can see, the Persian Empire was a huge empire, once ruled by Nebuchadnezzar, the great emperor, and it was called Babylon. It has now been captured and it is now Persia. And basically, during that time, they captured the land of Israel and they captured Jerusalem and they brought all the Jewish people, or most of them, to Persia to be slaves. And it was in about the year 470 BC. Persia is now modern-day Iran, if you look at that map. Again, a nation where there's so much political unrest, and there sure was a lot of political unrest going on here at this time. We don't know who wrote the Book of Esther, But today, most people believe it was her cousin, Mordecai, that wrote it. It was somebody he knew about Persian history. It was somebody who'd lived through it. And so that's one of the views at the moment. Now, the nation of Israel had been conquered. Many people had gone to Persia to be slaves. Some of the Jews in Esther's time had gone back to their country. But some loved being in Persia. They settled in Persia, and they continued to practice worshipping God in Persia. The action of Esther centers around the city of Susa. And people go to Iran today, and they've done a lot of digs around this area, and they still believe the city of Susa is there. Esther and her family settle there, but we are told she is an orphan. So at some point, her parents have both been killed, probably during political unrest. She's adopted by her older cousin, Mordecai. She doesn't start her life off called Esther. And this is a really significant bit of the story. Her name is Hadassah. And Hebrews were really strong on giving their children the right name. It was almost prophetic. They would pray over the name to give their children. And it would say something about that child's character as they grew up. And so Adassa means myrtle. Myrtle is a really beautiful aromatic tree and it makes the most beautiful perfume. Esther was outwardly really beautiful, but more importantly, inside. She carried the aroma of her personality and caused everyone who met her Go wow and gain favor with them all. Now, I was reading this just this morning that in the Bible in Corinthians it tells all of us as Christians to be the aroma of Christ to all those around us. I'll leave that for you to think about. Do we do that in bad times, in good times? Are we the aroma of Christ to all those around us? Next slide. She won the favor of everyone who saw her. And that's mentioned about five times in the book of Esther. And in one chapter, it's mentioned three times. Her favor is crucial in this story. And it is rooted, as I'm going to show you, in her knowledge of being a child of God. Favor in Hebrew means inner kindness, it's almost a spiritual thing, inner kindness. And that is what she got people to think of about her. Now, at this time, a man called Xerxes ruled the empire. And he held a banquet. And he called his queen to come. He wanted to show her off. She refused. She put her foot down. She didn't want to be paraded in front of all these people. And so he lost his temper and he banished her from the kingdom realized he'd made a mistake and decided he wanted a new queen and was persuaded to hold a contest to see who that queen should be. Now, Mordecai knew his cousin, Hadassah, as she was then, would be taken forcibly from the house because that's how it happened. It's not a great romantic love story here. These women, these young women, were just taken from houses because they looked beautiful to be paraded before the king. And he told Hadassah, do not tell anyone about your Jewish nature. I'm going to change your name to Esther, which is a Persian name. Imagine how that would have felt. Her Jewishness, her belief in God, her rootedness in a child, of God, was taken away from her, but we will find it wasn't really. He had reason to do that, Mordecai, because his family was from the line of Benjamin, and he was actually related directly to King Saul. And at that time, in the city of Susa, there were a lot of Jewish people, but there were a lot of people called Agagites, and they were sworn enemies of the Jews. Haman was one of their utmost leaders, and he was chief minister to King Xerxes. In the time of King Saul, a few hundred years before this action, Haman's entire family had been slaughtered by King Saul and the Jewish army. And so he had a real hatred. He bore in his heart to Jewish people. And he might have thought or known that Mordecai came from that line of King Saul, and he had a real personal hatred for Mordecai as well. Sure enough, Esther was snatched from her home and taken to the harem to enter the competition for who could be the new queen. And here we have another amazing God incident. I'm not going to use the word coincidence. It is a God incident. Her name Esther means star. And it's great to watch stars in the dark sky. The character of a star is there to give us light, guidance, and hope in dark times. Esther also means concealed or hidden. She had to hide her identity as a child of God until God told her to reveal it. She wins, no surprise there. She wins, she becomes the new queen. Her identity is still hidden, but her and her name is changed. But that real connection, that rootedness, that child of God in her is not taken away. About this time, her cousin Mordecai uncovers a plot that to to, is going on to kill the king Xerxes. That plot was hatched by two men. And he goes and he tells Esther, and she tells the king. It's written down in his political diaries, but Mordecai is never rewarded at that time. And that's a really crucial key. Comes on later. Haman, the hater of all things Jewish, was very powerful. He expected everybody to bow to him. Mordecai, as a child of God, was not going to bow to another man. He bowed only to his God, so he would never bow to Haman. And Haman's hatred got worse. And he decided to pass a law to wipe out the entire Jewish race in Susa. In other words, to make a genocide on a certain day. Haman does not realize that Esther is Jewish. And the suspense builds in the story. Mordecai and all the Jews in the city find out their time is limited. They mourn. They cry out. Esther wants to know what's going on. Mordecai tells her to go to the king and plead. She's worried because the law says that no one can enter the king's presence unless they're invited. If you go unannounced, you could be killed just like that. Mordecai replies with one of the most famous verses from this book. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And this week, I think that resonates. We are called as a church, as Christians, as children of God, to be praying for the right leader for such a time as this. Esther's now at a crossroads. She remembers she's a child of God. And she makes a good choice. She says, this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Before she did anything, she fasted. Doesn't mention God, doesn't mention pray, but we know as in Christianity, fasting is aligning ourselves with God. It's throwing ourselves on what God's got to say to us. Just as Stuart said about fasting tomorrow, the Jewish people believe that as well. When they fasted, they pleaded with God. They wanted to hear what God had to say. And so before she makes this momentous decision that could cost her her life, she gets her Jewish people to tap into what God is saying. And she invites Haman and the king for a meal the next day to tell, her, to tell them her request. Haman is so puffed with pride. And as he comes out, he sees Mordecai. I'm going to do something about this man who will not bow before me. And so he erects a gallows and decides he is going to hang Mordecai the next day day. That night, and this is another amazing God's incidence in this story, King Xerxes could not sleep. I so think We've all been there days, nights, when we can't sleep, we might even get a dream, and sometimes that is God prompting us. And so he gets up and he opens his political diaries, and in it he sees that Mordecai who stopped him being assassinated, has not been rewarded. No reward. He decides he needs to give him a reward. And he calls Haman in front of him. I love this bit. This is great comic timing. And this book of Esther, if you love a good story, please go home and read it afterwards. Political intrigue, thriller, and dry humor. Here's the humor. He says to Haman, What would be appropriate for a man the king wants to honor? Haman thinks it's him, so he goes for it. Oh, I need the king's crown. I need the king's robe. I need to go on, he should go on the king's horse. And a very important person should parade this man around Susa, saying how amazing he is. And King Xerxes turns to Haman and says, Go and do it to Mordecai the Jew. Imagine how Haman feels now. He has the job of putting Mordecai on the king's horse and dressing him and parading him through the city of Susa, saying how wonderful he is, his arch enemy. It's now time for the meal, and Esther lays her request down. Spare me, Spare my people from death. The king is puzzled. Who dares to want my beloved queen dead? She points to Haman and tells of his plot. And immediately Haman is taken and hung on the gallows. He is erected for Mordecai. Nearly the end of the story. Mordecai is promoted and Esther grows even more in favor the Jews celebrate and they call their festival Purim from the word pur, which means lots, because Haman had cast lots to decide the date of the genocide. Today, Jews all over the world still celebrate this festival of Purim. They retell the story of Esther and they have a lot of fun with it. Every time Haman's name is mentioned, they jeer, they shout, They stomped their feet, and they held their festival in the month of Adar, which is February and March. And I did a bit of research on Adar. Adar is the month that Moses was born and died in. How amazing. Another person who rose up like Esther to lead the Jewish people and give them their freedom. Esther and Moses both knew for certain they were children of God and acted on it at the right time. Do we know for certain that we are children of God? Do we, talking to myself here as well, act all the time as if we are a child of God? Sounds simple to say, I am, I am a child of God. I'm here in church. Why would I be challenged on that? But as the old joke goes, just because you're in a garage does not make you a car. Now, I became a Christian at quite a young age. I said I was a child of God for many years. And then, out of the blue, the carpet of my life was pulled away. My husband, we'd been married 25 years, had a severe mental breakdown. And my world just turned upside down. I had an awful time at the school I taught at, the school I was thought I'd retire at, and I had to leave. My son was nearly killed in an accident. A dear member, uh, well, Neil's sister died from cancer. Everything seemed to be thrown at us during two and a half years, during a two and a half long, dark time, which was very lonely. And at that time, God worked in me and gave me hoil. Now, you didn't think I'd be up here and wouldn't mention Welsh. You know what? All the Welsh people here are going to be with me on this. Wales has been in the news a lot, just to do with the football. You've seen how our supporters sing. Now, hoil is a great Welsh word. And it's got a really good spiritual meaning as well. It basically means emotional motivation and energy, passion for Jesus. The people who were in the revival in the 1900s, the men and the women, they had hoil in their lives. And God gave me that hoil, that real passion for Jesus that I'd lost through my Christian life. And he restored it. And I stand here, and I am proud to say I'm a child of God, Every day I wake up, I'm proud to say that, and I am proud to say and want to say that I just love Jesus more and more and more, and I just want it for all of us here in Freedom Church, that hoil in our lives. Now, I'm going to interview our very own Esther this morning. This is a lady I admire. This is a lady who's walked close with God through dark times, through good times. So give a big clap to Mrs. Esther Ward. No, it's great, isn't it, to honour people of every age. And I don't think we hear enough from our older folk in the congregation. Well, you might think I'm older. Probably you'll do. But I just think it's great to honour someone who's walked with God and is a child of God this morning.
1: Thank you. <coughs> well, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> really, this is a story of my, my journey. <laughs> my journey in Christ. My name's Esther, and I was born on Easter Sunday in 1936, a long time ago, and our next door neighbor said I should be called Easter, but my parents didn't like that word. They said, oh, it doesn't sound very nice, so the next, nearest one was Esther, so that's how I got my name, not because of any scriptural or Bible connotation. But I'll I'll start reading, because otherwise I'll start blabbing on. As the scriptures tell us, God knows us from our mother's womb, and he knows every hair on her head. So I believe, truly believe, that God has his hand on us and guides, leads us in our journey through life. And it's up to us because he gives us that freedom either to choose to go with him or not. From an early life, I, um, I have known God and believed in God, the Father. But I didn't know Jesus as my Savior. So we'll, we'll just gradually get to that. Now, when I was a teenager, my father was a spiritualist and uh, attended the spiritualist church as well as the Church of Scotland, because at that time I didn't see any difference. It was just a follow on. So when I was a teenager, I went to the spiritualist church with my father and soon became involved in the church there. Plus, I sang in the choir. In the Church of Scotland in the morning, and went to spiritualist church in the evening. So it was quite a, <laughs> a difference. And then I got involved in the seances as well that the, the spiritualists have. I'm losing the place again. And then I was doing I was doing nursing training, and during my nursing training. I moved down and left home, went down to Glasgow to finish my, uh, my second part of midwifery training. And it was there that I came to know Jesus as my saviour. And it was it, I went to find the Spiritious Church because there was a big one there in Glasgow. And while I was standing leading the notices for the times of the service, etc. I had a, a, nurse, a very nasty experience. A man came up to me and tried to proposition me. And of course I thought it was, I was absolutely disgusted because I just didn't think anything like that would happen to me. So I ran away back to the hospital for sanctuary. And then my friend who was a, a Christian, they started taking me to the, to the church and it was there, in the Church of Scotland, first of all, that I heard of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And then was moved to Paisley as part of the training. And then in a brethren church there, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Now that was in 1959, 57 years ago. So I've known Christ as my saviour, for 57 years, which is quite a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. I know we have got now. So for the first time, I believed in the redemptive power the mercy and the love of Jesus on the cross. Because even though I attended church for my life before that, I'd never actually heard of Jesus dying for my sins on the cross. It was more like history lessons, and yes, the stories in the Bible. I knew all the stories in the Bible, but it didn't mean anything to me at all. And I felt to have known His presence. In in a very real way, all these years now. Firstly, the opposition that I had from my family, you may because they didn't sort of see the point of of me having to be baptized again because I was baptized as a child, but they came to my baptism, and they still loved me and accepted me, and just accepted it well. By that time, I was about 23 years old, so I could have a mind of my own. I got married in '63 and moved to London. And there I was in a lovely fellowship and accepted very lovingly in that fellowship where Christ was preached in a very real way. Through the years, I have known many uh, happiness, Trauma, a uh, disappointment, and I've known Christ throughout it all. I I lost a child when he was only three years, three years old, and even then I could, I didn't turn away from Christ. I, I leaned on him even more, because I had Muslim pay- neighbours, and I felt I had a, a testimony to show Christ to them. I think probably I didn't really get to mourn the death of my child then, to a very really real way. To say, I've had many disappointments in life too. And then moving on, the family had a, a it was, we moved, we moved from London to Aberdeen, down to Letchworth and over to Luton. So I've had quite a movement in my life too. And then we had family tragedy as well. As you all know, my four grandsons all required bone marrow transplants. And again, only because of God's mercy and love and the love of the church and the fellowship that we had, they've, they've all survived through. And we just we just praise the lord for that and I'm, I'm i'm very pleased to say that all of them are belong to christ too so i think that in alone is in a testimony in itself mm. so through all the the different traumas and and we had happiness in our life as well and during during my time in Letchworth, we had a, a, a came into the, the charismatic movement was just beginning, and I felt my Christian life was missing something. So there was four or five of us got together, and we had conference. We made a, we had a conference for women in 1985. It was called Women Alive in '85, where we had a yearly conference of uh, ministry, fellowship, love. And and there was, there was people came to the Lord through that conference as well. And we'll say the Holy Spirit then came and I was baptised in the Holy Spirit as well. And that was a tremendous time. And I just feel that as life goes on, we have many trials and temptations. And last year, I went through a bad time, well, not a bad time, but my husband died a year and a half ago, and there was times of loneliness then that I felt, is, it re- is there really an afterlife? I think I only had two days of that, and, and then the Lord took me back. I mean, he just, he just had a grasp on me. So I believe,
0: yes, I'm going to see Lionel again. So we just- oh, sorry, I'm going to say thank you, Esther. That is absolutely amazing for being a child of God. All that stories. So let's give you a big clap. That is absolutely brilliant. Thank you. It is so good to hear our stories. And I just encourage you to talk to Esther, to talk to Mary, to talk to Shanna, who've just lived as children of God for such a long time of many things to teach us. And so, as I just said before, there's no mention of God's name in the book of Esther. But I hope, from my overview of the story, you could see God's hand working through her life. Again, God is in everything that happened. And when I was really doubting God when Neil was ill and all these things were happening, I couldn't see him. I couldn't hear him but I knew he was there somehow. And I was taken back to a poem. You might have seen this poem before, but it's good to be reminded of it. It's called Footprints. And it's a really inspired poem. This might be the first time you've seen it, and it might be good for us to be reminded of how God walks with us even when we don't see him. We can't always see the end of things from the middle, and we have to walk by faith and not sight. One night, I dreamed a dream. I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand, and I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, Especially at the lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. That really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. He whispered, my precious child, I love you. I will never, ever leave you. During your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then I carried you. And I also want to come to this. This is a tricky verse, and I'm not going to have time. This is quite good for connect groups to talk about this week. From Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things all things work together for good to those who love God who have been called according to his purpose before any biblical scholars look at me that is from the footnote of the NIV bible that's the, I love this translation there's lots of different ones but that's a really good one you know God alone knows what good is good for us. He alone knew what was good for Esther. I had a really awful two and a half years. Nothing seemed good in it. But now I stand back and I state I love God more now each day. And I have no doubt I am his child. Esther lost her parents. She was snatched from her Cousin's care. It looked like she's lost her identity. Even her name was changed. Yet she firmly knew she was a child of God and he worked all things for his good, not her good, his good. Everything can be taken away from us in the flash, in a flash. But the power to choose what attitude we have towards events that happen in our lives can never, ever be taken away. There's many of us here will think today, I never thought I'd end up doing this. I never thought I'd be where I am now, but we are here now. We are children of God here and now. Take what you're doing now, exciting or not, and in it show you are a child of God, as Esther did. Her name changed Her identity did not. And one of my most favorite, favorite sayings from St. Augustine, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our complete assurance has to be in God, to be a child of God. We will face many situations in this life and we will feel ill-equipped to deal with them. God allows us to face them to develop our faith and dependency on him. I love the old story about the film star Charlton Heston. I don't know if anyone remembers him. I don't, but I've watched films with him. He was in a very famous film called Ben-Hur and he had to learn to drive a chariot for the film. He said to his producer, Cecil B. DeMille, I think I can drive the chariot all right. I'm not sure I can actually win the race. DeMille replied with a grin on his face, Heston, you stay in the race. I'll make sure you win. I think God is saying to us today in Freedom Church and as individual children of God, you may be out of your comfort zone doing things you don't want to do, Wanting to give up. But listen to our great director. Stay in the race. I'll make sure you win. I'm going to invite Jim and the band up now. And I'd just like to share a final scripture with you. And then we're going to sing the song that is based on that scripture. From Romans 8 verse 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children right now. I just want to invite you as we sing this song, take hold of these words, get some hoil inside you, whether you're Welsh or not. You know, basically, I'm going to invite anyone. You might think you're not a child of God this morning. Please, I'd love to pray for you. Our leaders, our prayer ministry team will be here. They would love to pray for you. Or you want to make a stand. You want things to change. You want to know, take it from your head, know it inside that you are a child of God and want to behave more like a child of God. Not just say it, but grasp it. And you might need God's help to get through tomorrow as a child of God in such a time as this. For more about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk.